0: Welcome to Creative Peacemail Podcast, a podcast for creatives. I'm your host, Tami Takeishi. Mm-hmm. Join me for compelling conversations with artists, actors, authors, musicians, and other creatives about the impact of the creative and fine arts in their lives and our ever-changing world. Thank you for listening. And welcome to creative piecemeal podcast. I'm Tammy Takishi. Today I am joined by Sylvie Rosakoff. She's actually the daughter of one of our previous guests Jim aka Dr Yuk Rosakoff and he his episodes in in our top five most streams so definitely go check it out. He's a talented ukulele player very nice but Sylvie is a talented photographer and she specializes in elopements, intimate weddings, and um, author portraits, and she is based in the New York area. Super excited to have her on the show. Her work is absolutely beautiful and gorgeous and has been featured in Vogue and Bride magazine and lots of other really cool places. So, hello.
1: Hi, Tammy. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to talk with you.
0: I am very excited to get to know you. Your your dad... Uh, <laughs> bragged on you a few weeks back about an article, <laughs> and I was just so captivated by your energy and your passion for what you do. And I was like, oh, I, I've got to interview this lady. So <laughs> <laughs>
1: Well, thank you. That was a really fun feature. Um, I was very happy that this was a photo that I took at an intimate wedding I shot at a couple's home in Brooklyn. And it was featured by the New York Times actually on the cover of the real estate section um, in print in the Sunday edition a few weeks ago. And I loved that the photo they chose for this feature and for the cover of the section was a confetti photo because those are kind of my trademark. Um and it was the couple standing on their stoop, their brownstone stoop, and just throwing confetti and, and being really happy. And it was a whole article about getting married at home in New York and making the most of a small space, which is kind of what we what we all do here.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah. And you can't go wrong with confetti, right? Oh, absolutely not. It it solves a lot of problems if I'm ever working with children who are not smiling in photos, you know, you give them some confetti and tell them to throw it on their parents and they're they're pretty happy.
0: <laughs> Although it begs me to ask, do you like confetti cake? I do.
1: I don't love a lot of sweets. I'm not that much of a sweet person. I like salty snacks a lot more, but in terms of cake, yes, I've had some fabulous confetti cakes and if I'm in a place where I need to try a cake, obviously I'm going to try the confetti one. How did you
0: get your start as a photographer?
1: So I was thinking about this recently. I don't remember taking a ton of photos when I was a kid, but my mom took a lot of wonderful photos of us growing up of, you know, her and my dad and of of me and my sister, and she has an amazing eye. So I really credit her with my start. And I think with my eye, I remember taking a ton of photos in college. I had a digital camera, a little point and shoot one, and I kind of became the friend who documented everything, parties just dressing up for fun, just regular days, everything. So all you know, our, my friends knew that I was the one who was going to bring a camera to the party and, and take a lot of photos. And I did end up with some photos of myself as well, which you know is kind of rare as a photographer, but I would pass it over. Later on in college, my parents gifted me a DSLR, which was my first foray into, oh, this could be something that I could actually learn about technically. And I really loved that, the new flexibility I had with, with that and then when I graduated from college, I was uh, working in publishing, I was working at a literary agency in foreign rights. So I was helping get books that we represented published in other countries. So that was my day job. And on weekends, I was I was shooting pretty casually, still stuff with friends and family members until I think in 20, 2009 or 2010, I shot some engagement photos for a cousin of mine who knew that I liked photography and had an interest in it. And I think that was the first time that I really thought, oh, you know, this is something that could maybe be a service-based side business. And maybe, you know, I could do this for some money at some point, which was really nice that I had the flexibility of, you know, having the day job and not needing to worry about building a business. So I really was just playing around with it, um, having fun there. Obviously my cousin did not pay me for that shoot, but it really just planted the seed. Then I think in uh, 2011, I second or third shot my first wedding. So it was the first wedding I was shooting at all, but I was on a team of photographers. So I did not have the pressure or the responsibility of, of being the primary shooter. Um, that was a lot of fun. It was incredibly stressful, but so beautiful. And I I just loved the feeling of the energy and everything um, coming away with these, these beautiful photos that I took and feeling really proud of that. In 2012, I think I shot my first wedding solo, although my my partner did second shoot with me because I didn't want to do it on on my own. That one was very exciting to me because it was my boss at the time in publishing who told me I'm getting married um, next year. And there are three possible dates at the venue that we're going to get married. And I found a photographer who could do two of the dates, but if it has to be this third date at the venue, we don't have a photographer. So would you do it? And by some miracle, it ended up being that one date that the other photographer couldn't do. So, of course, I said, I'm terrified. This is so scary. But yes, of course, I'll shoot your wedding. And well, I loved it so much. I, I still was loving it. I realized this is something I would love to do on the side and something that can really be a, a fun thing. And then after a few years of that, shooting every weekend, editing you know, nights and weekends, it really turned into me realizing I had two full-time jobs at this point. Um, And while I still loved what I was doing in publishing, I was really excited about potentially growing the photography side and everything I was learning there. I was making a lot of connections, you know, building a network without really trying because it still wasn't something I was trying to pursue as a full-time business. So in 2017, I took the leap and said, you know, it's kind of now or never. Um, I want to see where I can take this. And I left my day job and just haven't looked back been amazing. I started off shooting everything. I really, really went hard the first couple of years full-time. I wanted to make sure I was making connections and as busy as possible and and shooting all sorts of things so I could really learn what I liked to do. It was exhausting. I was looking at my schedule from um, 2018 the other day, and I saw that I had days with two or three different shoots in a day, and I don't know how I handled that or you know had any time for anything else. I don't think I did. Since then, I've been You know, pulling back on the things I don't love shooting as much as others. I used to shoot a lot of large weddings, which are so beautiful, and especially weddings in New York, great venues, gorgeous flowers, amazing vendors to work with. I feel that personally, where my heart lies is more in elopements and very intimate weddings. So I've been pulling back on that and uh, really focusing on elopements, as you mentioned in your intro, and author portraits to kind of keep that connection to publishing, which I love. Yeah. So I really just been growing that throughout the pandemic. It was we can talk more about this, but it was it was kind of a difficult time in that a lot of things were getting canceled, but also things were shrinking down and people were maybe realizing that they didn't need to have these large weddings that they thought they did. So I ended up still shooting a lot um, and working on a lot of small weddings on at home weddings, city hall, and other elopements, um, and that has really continued. And that's that's what I love to shoot. So
0: it's been great. Excellent. And I I love that you had the comfort and flexibility to be able to start this without too much of a risk. Like you had a day job that you loved also, and it's not like you hated your day job, you know, like you also loved it. So it wasn't like you were pressured to do the transition any sooner.
1: Absolutely. I was really lucky, exactly as you said, that there was no pressure. It was just being able to explore shooting different things and it just kind of hit me at a point that I'm not booking what would be a full-time photographer's schedule or anything, but, you know, maybe I, maybe I could, if I had the time, if I had the brain space, if I had the bandwidth and just the flexibility in, in timing.
0: Is there anything that you learned from your leap that you wish you had known before leaping, or do you feel like everything sort of just magically worked out?
1: It kind of magically worked out. It's a little weird how I quit my job, my day job, you know, had had these wide open weekdays and thought, well, you know, there's no way I'm just gonna immediately be booked all the time. But within a few months, I think I was shooting many times a week and and really making making enough of a living. And in New York, you know, it can be tough. But yeah, I think it did work out. I Don't know that it always would, but I think that I would have told myself, you know, don't be so scared of making the leap earlier because it, I couldn't really know what it was going to be like, you know, doing this thing full time until I left the other thing until I left having that security of the day job. So I think if I had left it a year earlier or so, I just would have had an extra year of, of experience in full-time photography and, and being able to build that even sooner. But I don't regret the time I spent in my day job. It was wonderful. I met wonderful people. And as I said, making those connections and publishing and and working now with authors and editors and agents is, is really wonderful. I love keeping that close.
0: Excellent. What is one of your favorite wedding shots to take?
1: Well, we already talked about confetti. And I I think it's that because the thing I shoot the most of these days are City Hall elopements, which have this really, really fun moment at the end when the couple is, you know, inside doing all the bureaucratic stuff and signing the papers and doing the little 30 second ceremony that is really the fastest thing you've ever seen. And then they're done and they're married um, and they're exiting these beautiful, iconic doors at the New York City Hall building. And that exit is so much fun because you know they're coming out into the light from this dark, dingy area, and then taking photos out there and having them just throw confetti in this beautiful space where other couples are also coming in and out. Um, I think that's that's my favorite because we're we're celebrating them, but we're kind of all, you know, celebrating together with all of these different couples who are are there doing that the same
0: thing on that day. What is a piece of advice you would have for couples, like right before their wedding?
1: Whether we're talking about elopements or larger weddings, I would say really try not to worry too much about things going wrong. I shoot a lot of weddings where it rains and, you know, there's now this thing that people say, you know, rain on your wedding days is, is good luck. And I think it probably started because people were really upset when it rained on their wedding days. And so people start saying, no, 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 it's okay. It's, it's good luck. And it can be a little bit of a bummer if you're thinking, Oh, you know, I didn't plan on carrying an umbrella around and that's not part of my outfit. Um, and maybe we can't shoot in all of the places that we wanted if it's, it's really pouring, but I really, I adore the rainy shots that I have taken. I think New York is beautiful in the rain. All the colors are a little more saturated. Um, I think things pop more if there's a, if it's winter and it's raining and it's just kind of feels dreary outside any flowers or any colorful things or any confetti, you know, we have with us are going to pop even more against that gray. Um, so I really, I really love telling couples, you know, be prepared that things might not go as planned, but whatever happens, that's the story of the day. That's the story of your wedding. So it's really not things going wrong. It's just, that's your wedding story being written. And we're going to lean into whatever happens and not pretend that it was a super sunny day if it's drizzling and gray.
0: Yeah. I really like that outlook about like, that is the story of what's happening. Like that can be transferable to so many things in life. Yeah. I
1: was, um, doing a styled shoot a couple of years ago with a team of vendors. So we had everything. You know, this was, it wasn't a real wedding. It was a real couple, but it was just a shoot to um, just kind of create some something beautiful. I think it was kind of... It was in 2021, so you know we had a lot extra time because of the pandemic. And we picked the date, you know, we had a venue and we couldn't change it. And then we saw it was going to rain on that date that we were planning to shoot in Central Park and shoot all this outdoor stuff. And despite my own advice, freaking out a little bit and thinking, oh, this really isn't what I'd planned. Because with a styled shoot or with any sort of editorial shoot, you're really you're doing it because you can control things more than on a real wedding day. And here I was not being able to control and have the the vision that I hoped. And then I realized wait, I can completely lean into this. And the story of this shoot can now be how to have a rainproof elopement in New York City. And so we just, we shot it exactly the same way as we would have any any other day. But I decided the story now was, okay, well, we're, we're bringing clear umbrellas. We're going to shoot more outside than we might normally if it were raining. We're going to find covered areas in Central Park. And just now the story that we're telling is if it rains on your wedding day, it's still so beautiful. And here's how. It ended up being a gorgeous shoot. There was this incredible mist that settled over the pond in Central Parks that I'd never seen before. And it was so photogenic. And just as soon as I accepted what was happening,
0: everything fell into place and it was wonderful. That is really cool. In terms of advice, what is a piece of advice, whether it's creative advice or specific to photography that you never follow?
1: I think that, you know, there are all these hard, hard and fast, I'll say in quotes, compositional rules, things that people think black and white, either, you know, the rule of thirds or things where you're trying to position people in a certain part of the frame when you're shooting in terms of, you know, visual interest and in, in making things look correct, again, in quotes, that I think are important to understand and understand why, you know, these are rules that exist and are guidelines. But it's all about breaking rules like that and, and placing subjects and and objects and things within your frame, wherever it makes the most sense to you. So I don't know if there are a lot of rules that I never follow, but I think that things like that are, are rules that are meant to be broken and just understood and then twisted and shot however, however you want to go creatively.
0: If you've been feeling burned out, stressed, overwhelmed, or exhausted, the resources and courses at the Self-Care Institute are here to support you. The Self-Care Institute was founded by Dr. Ami Kunimura and provides support for individuals and organizations with burnout prevention, burnout recovery, and stress management. I've personally taken a few of these courses and found them to be super helpful, both professionally and personally. The care you give yourself matters just as much as the care you give to others. But if self-care is difficult for you, you're not alone. And the Self-Care Institute is here to support your well-being, resilience, and sense of fulfillment at work and at home. For more information, visit selfcareinstitute.com or go to the show notes and click on the link. I love that. You mentioned you had gotten your very first DSLR when you were in college, but what is some of your favorite gear? And do you have dream gear, like a vintage camera or something super fancy?
1: I've been really happy with the gear I've been using for the past several years. I shoot Canon and I have several lenses and several camera bodies and everything that, that I shoot and, and bring You know, whatever I need to a different uh, wedding or shoot. Um, my favorite lenses are the 35 millimeter and the 85 millimeter, which if I had to pick two to bring to a wedding, those would be the two. Um, 35 is great because you get some context and some background in your shots um, when you're following a couple around the city and you want to show where they are. Um, and just get, you know, the the feel of New York City in the background um, along with them or or even just detail shots of, you know, cabs or things in the background uh, without the couple. That one's great. And the 85 millimeter is my go-to portrait lens. I use it for all my author portraits and, and closer wedding portraits. It has a really creamy look about it. Beautiful bokeh, which is the blurred effect in the background. And I love what I shoot, as I said, but it's heavy and I don't, love how my back and shoulders and knees sometimes feel after a full day of shooting a wedding with all of that gear on my shoulders. So I think I might in the future look into shooting with gear that's a little bit lighter, uh, like mirrorless cameras and lenses that are also really great in photographing in low light. Some of the newer cameras that are coming out these days are you know lightweight and and great at low light and a, a few things that you know, the current gear that I'm using, doesn't have it's tough to switch systems completely because you've built it up and you've invested in it but that might be where where I'm
0: going in the future excellent and speaking of light there's not much lighter than a phone what are your thoughts (laughs) on shooting on a phone like do you ever take phone photos at weddings just to get sort of a different perspective for couples or do they ever ask you like hey here's my phone can you shoot some stuff during the day I personally am terrible at behind the scenes. I am so bad at capturing
1: anything on my phone. I know a lot of photographers are amazing at taking you know, iPhone photos or phone photos alongside of their professional ones to, to show quickly and show, look, this is where I am. Here's here's what it looks like behind the scenes. My brain doesn't work like that. I, I cannot switch between, oh, I'm shooting for the client in my professional capacity and then switch to, oh, no, no, no let me t- take a photo behind the scenes. I think I'm too afraid of missing anything. But I do have a lot of clients who will give me their phone and say, look, we just need a, a photo to send our parents really fast. Or they want to see um, what it looks like if, you know, they're eloping and their parents aren't there. Um, I've had some couples ask me to, to film little video clips with their phones. So they have a little bit of video, you know, they're not hiring a videographer for their elopement or anything, but just little tiny clips of this is what the road looked like. You know, this is what the street looked like. This is what it looked like inside city hall. I love how easy it is to take legitimately good photos on phones these days. I'm not threatened by it in any way. I don't think it's coming for my job. I love that people are able to capture what they want and and really play around with with composition and with light and see what it's like to be scouting a location or to be looking for great light and, and then shoot something on your phone that looks really great and not have to carry heavy gear with it
0: with you. Excellent. In terms of photography, what is one of the biggest misconceptions people have about your field?
1: I would say it's a misconception that you have to have a big expensive wedding to have good photos or to have a beautiful day. Related to that, a misconception that you can't take wedding photos on the subway because along with confetti that is one of my trademarks I love taking elopement photos of couples on uh, the New York subway we try to get a little car to ourselves I have a trick that I will not reveal on air for how to do that and I love the you know the contrast between the often dirty often grimy often trash filled subway cars with not to you know say anything negative about the MTA, the MTA is great. Love the subway, love taking it, but people are dirty. So the con- contrast between that and then this couple who's dressed to the nines and wearing a wedding dress and beautiful flowers and look all done up and just having fun playing around with the most romantic subway ride of their lives,
0: which is usually <laughs> what I like to say. Yeah. You know, speaking of the subway, I recently learned that they do like holiday nostalgia cars. Yeah, I very
1: rarely catch a glimpse of those i think they just go between a couple of specific stations in midtown i've seen them sometimes i often think oh my gosh i should try to shoot something on there but they're so crowded in the holidays and uh it's hard to get a glimpse of them but they're very cute so definitely check that out people if you're you're coming to new york over the holidays for uh to see the city
0: yeah it, i saw a news article and i'm like that looks so awesome yeah. <laughs> and i couldn't help but think like how did they how did where did they store them in the off season? Yeah. You know,
1: there's the I think there's a transit museum in Brooklyn. Don't know if it's in Brooklyn. Don't quote me on that. But maybe you know, maybe they're they're kept up there and then brought in into the city for the for their rides. I assume it's just one train that's going back and forth. But I'm not positive.
0: Something like that. I just remember thinking like, wow, that is so amazing and super retro. But yeah, yeah. well,
1: I love the city over the holidays. Is, it's so crowded but so beautiful.
0: Do you end up shooting a lot of street photos, like with the city as a subject in and of itself with a couple
1: that's a that's a great question. A lot of couples I work with well, I get a good mix of couples who live in New York and are want to elope here and then people coming in from out of the city or out of the country um and when that's the case when they're coming in from out of New York, they really want to get. New York as part of it. And to use that cliche, you know, having New York be another character in the story or in their photos, but absolutely. So we always try to get some shots that include other people. You know, I I love making it feel like little pockets of the city are just for us and knowing places to shoot and and angles to shoot so that it won't seem like there are a ton of people or maybe the time of day we're there. Uh, But it is really fun to capture feeling like you can hear the noise and, you know, see all the crowds around them. Yeah. I'm not huge into street photography itself with, you know, outside of the, the context of a shoot. I think I don't love the idea of shooting people, you know, where other people where strangers are the focus of my photo without their consent, without asking them, which I know a lot of amazing street photographers and I am so envious of the confidence that they have to do that, to go out and just shoot things as they see them. But I like to be shooting, you know, either anonymous photos of, of things I see or
0: or couples I'm working with. We're gonna take some time to get to know the woman behind the camera. <laughs> what is a book you've read in this in 2023 that um you absolutely loved?
1: I read Tara's Story by Hilary Leichter. And I will admit that I read it first because I took her author portraits for the book. Um, she's a, a wonderful literary slash experimental fiction writer I've worked with and she actually plays the ukulele too she's amazing yay Um, yay. and (laughs) I love her work so much I'm terrible at describing books but it is a story of a couple who lives in a small apartment and they realize one day when a friend comes over to visit that a door that the friend opens, opens onto a terrace that they didn't know they had. So it's kind of like this magical terrace that only exists when this one specific friend comes over and opens the door and reveals it to them. Um, So at first they have to, you know, have her come over as much as possible because they want to enjoy this space that they uh, didn't know existed. And it's, it's really wonderful. And I, I, I love her writing so much.
0: Oh, that sounds awesome. I'll have to check that out. And who wouldn't want a surprise terrace? I know. I know. We, we have an actual terrace on our
1: uh, in our apartment now um, after many, many years in the city of not having any outdoor space. And it is
0: absolutely a game changer. So I completely identify. So you play ukulele. Do you ever desire to play any other instrument just for fun? So I do play a few other instruments. I play a little bit of alto
1: saxophone. I play flute and I play some piano along with the ukulele. And I've been playing all of this stuff since I was a kid. Um, although, except for the ukulele, I, I think I could strum a few chords when I was a kid. But after that, I was really focusing on the other stuff and singing along with my dad and my sister. I think until the pandemic, when I really started taking up the uke and joining, you know, the the virtual Uh, rehearsals that my dad was doing so it was it was really fun to see oh he's right he was right all along it's a ton of fun and uh learning the chords and learning how to accompany myself singing just for fun even is is a blast
0: yeah it really is such a great instrument I feel like for me personally it's like one of my sole instruments you know how you really connect to to certain instruments Mm -hmm. more than others but that's fantastic. You play woodwinds and brass and piano. Those are some tough instruments that you've tackled.
1: They are tough. I don't play a ton of them just because I don't have a saxophone or a piano in my apartment now, but I do have the flute here with me. I think the last time I played it was um, at my sister's wedding last May, so in May, 2022, when my parents and I performed a song during their ceremony, which included a flute solo. So that was terrifying but a, a lot of fun
0: oh that sounds like it was a beautiful memory oh it was
1: gorgeous yeah it was, there was a lot of stress leading up to it but the you know, beautiful wedding it was amazing it was also a lot of fun to be on the other side and helping my sister find vendors and and seeing things from her eyes
0: so you used to slash still occasionally perform with your family uh it's is it dr yukin his daughters is that the name of the band
1: Yes. So we're currently called Dr. Uke and Daughters. The band started uh, per family lore when I was 10 and my sister was eight. And uh, our dad, we were taking a walk um, in our neighborhood. And I think it was in the fall and the leaves were on the ground. And it was beautiful. And our dad said, we should start a family band. And my sister and I said, OK, because we didn't we like to sing and we love music and we didn't know any better. And he said, we'll be called Pride and Joy and Dad. And we said, OK. So for many years, we performed together as Pride and Joy and Dad. And in the past few years, I guess past many years, more when he branded himself as Dr. Yuke and uh became well known there, we rebranded ourselves as Dr. Yuk and Daughters because it felt a little bit more adult because Pride and Joy and Dad was was it was a pretty silly kid name, I think. But <laughs> yeah, we do we do play. Uh, We sing together, you know, whenever we can, whenever we're all together, we haven't had any public performances in a long time. But for, for a time, we were playing gigs in New York City at bars and clubs. And there was kind of a ukulele renaissance, I think, in the city for a while. And so we were, it was fun to be a part of that world for a little bit.
0: That's really excellent. What is one of the biggest surprises you had this past year, a good or bad surprise?
1: I think one of the biggest surprises was the New York Times feature we talked about. I knew that the feature was going to be, you know, something online. And I, I hoped that there would be some sort of a print element, but I got a phone call It's actually almost a frantic phone call from the photo editor um, of the real estate section saying they're going to print tomorrow. We need a high resolution photo, you know, version of this one photo of yours because they want to print it big in the times. And that was pretty amazing. And I'm really happy I was able to answer that call and and get them what they needed because that was really, a really special feature. Oh,
0: that's wonderful. Yeah. And it really is gorgeous. I I love to being able to see and read that article. Um, I mean, of course, I saw it online, but it was just, yeah. just beautiful it's- work. Beautiful Thank work.
1: You. It's big, though. Like, I don't usually <laughs> see photos that big in the paper, so it was, it, was, yeah, it was pretty shocking.
0: What is the biggest sector of the creative arts that you're curious about right now?
1: Well, I think I'm always trying to learn more about, about photography and about the business of photography so that I can grow and, and work smarter. And one thing I'm really interested in looking into for the future is, you know, passive income and other things like that, that might be a way to marry photography and, and the work I do and have been doing with ways of pulling back on actually actively shooting that much and being able to have a little bit more flexibility with, with my schedule and, you know have streams of income that aren't entirely dependent on
0: my physically
1: being there and and shooting somewhere
0: sounds like some really smart goals for people in the creative arts in general to just get a little more involved in the business side because i think that's almost a misconception to and then you get into it and you're like oh there's there's a lot more business in yeah. the creative than you realize
1: yeah there there are a lot of numbers a lot of knowing your numbers you know figuring out pricing raising pricing learning marketing. It's its a whole thing, definitely beyond taking pretty pictures. i I feel that it's very analogous to what all the amazing florists I know do. And everybody thinks, oh, being a florist is so easy. It's just playing with flowers and going to a wedding and everything is beautiful when there is so much that goes into it, you know, waking up at 4 a.m. every day so you can be the first one at the flower market and having relationships and with the people who work there and knowing how to buy the best product and preparing it and having vessels to put flowers in and just so much goes on beyond i'm going to buy some flowers from the supermarket and make a bouquet but it's it's very similar with photography and and just figuring out ways of marketing what you do and and figuring out how to do more of of what you love and reaching new people in you know, and using new social media platforms and,
0: and everything as, as smartly as possible. How has your life in the creative arts been different than you imagined?
1: I think that where I am in in my business is pretty spot on with where I hoped it would be a few years ago. And I'm really grateful for that, that I have amazing clients who get what I'm doing and, you know, want my vision and, and you know, my style of photography for their, for their events or for their book jackets um, and everything. I don't know how different it is from what I thought I'd be. I think I think really this kind of business is, and and the way I I think I'm I'm running it is how I hoped it would be. I think I think that I'm I'm working on boundaries more than I have in the past, which is always very tough not to respond to client emails at 1 a.m., which I definitely still do. But just making more time for for myself and for you know doing things with my partner and having family time and 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 trips and things that aren't necessarily work-related. So that's always a struggle and I think always uh, a work in progress, probably for all of us. Yeah,
0: yeah. Well, and that's fantastic because it's wonderful to hear that things are going just as well as you hoped. That's always nice when that happens, when the road is yeah. like, oh, this is exactly what I was thinking, you know, yeah. and it's also wonderful to fill your cup and get creative inspiration by stepping away and going on vacation or just binge watching movies or just just having quality time, because that brings a fresh, renewed perspective to whatever creative thing a person is doing.
1: Absolutely. I've had many seasons and years of a lot of burnout. And that doesn't help anybody. It doesn't help me bring energy to a shoot. It doesn't, you know, help my clients get the best photos possible. So it, it really is the best thing for everybody for I think people people in this industry and in, in any creative industry to focus on taking the time they need.
0: Because de- I've definitely learned that when we take care of ourselves, we're able to bring our best selves and that, that inspires other people to be their best selves.
1: Absolutely. Yeah, it's all connected. We're all connected.
0: That's right. That's right. Uh, two more questions. Do you want the serious one first or the fun one first? Ooh, serious one first. Okay. I had a feeling you would say that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, you ready for it? Mm-hmm. Okay, in your own words, what does living a creative life mean to you?
1: For me, I think living a creative life means not taking things or myself too seriously and looking for inspiration all around me, you know, finding beauty in in weird and everyday things and bringing that to all parts of my life, um, especially you know my my
0: photography, but but also personal life. I love that. Thank you. Ending on a fun question. If you had to pick one restaurant, cafe, bistro, what have you, in New York City that just like has your whole heart, what would that be?
1: There are so many restaurants that I have loved that have sadly gone out of business over the past few years. I'm thinking of, they might all be Italian restaurants. Spiga, which was on the Upper West Side and now has a to-go restaurant was wonderful. And that was an everyday thing. Poe in the West Village was also amazing. But sadly, you know, those I think were they may have gone out of business before the pandemic. But you know, it's hard for anything to last here. I think my favorite restaurant for many reasons right now is Palma in the West, also in the West Village. It's an Italian restaurant has fabulous food, amazing fresh pasta, the best focaccia ever. And it is also a wonderful small wedding venue. So I have been lucky enough to eat and shoot there. I first discovered it. Well, it's been around for a long time, but I discovered it when I was shooting a tiny wedding there and the vendor meal I got was the best vendor meal I've ever eaten. So I thought, oh my gosh, if they're serving this to the vendors working this, I have got to try this restaurant. And so I, I ate there, you know, not working and it's amazing. So I highly, I recommend it to all of my clients who are coming into the city and, and want a fun place to celebrate.
0: Excellent. Well, Sylvie, thank you so much for being on the podcast. Thank you so much. It was great talking with you. And um, would you like to drop your socials? And I'll also put them in the show notes, but if you want to just announce them for our for our listeners. Of course I would. Um, so I go, uh, all my handles are Sylvie the camera.
1: So my website is sylviethecamera.com. That's S-Y-L-V-I-E thecamera.com and my Instagram, which is the other place I'm most active is Sylvie the camera. So yeah, look me up there. I'm the one with purple hair and lots of cats and color and confetti.
0: Yay. Excellent. Well, Sylvie, thank you so much. And listeners, please check the show notes to connect with her. If you live in the New York metro area and you're looking for an author portrait or an elopement or intimate wedding, be sure to hit her up because she's got such a beautiful and wonderful style. And as always, thanks for listening. Thanks for listening to the podcast. Like the show? Have a question? Stop by the Facebook and Instagram pages. Links are in the show notes or search for a creative piecemeal podcast on social media and click follow for all the latest.